monsoon floods that started in late June along the Indus River in northwest Pakistan have killed at least 2,000 people, destroyed an estimated 1.7 million acres of farmland and the livelihoods of 20 million people. More than 5 million people have been left homeless and more than 1 million face the prospect of starvation. The United Nations has called the Pakistan floods the greatest humanitarian crisis in recent history, with more people affected than the 2004 Asian tsunami, the 2005 Pakistan earthquake and the 2010 Haiti earthquake combined. Pakistan's southern region is now expected to see even more flooding as 800,000 people remain stranded. Forty more helicopters are needed, according to the World Food Program, to reach those people and deliver aid. The U.S. has pledged $150 million, but aid to the Pakistani government, NGOs and the U.N. has been trickling in very slowly. Some say the inadequate response to this disaster may have to do with the recent WikiLeaks release of the Afghan War Diary documents, which show a continued relationship between Pakistan's military spy service and the Taliban, even as Pakistan receives more than a billion dollars a year from Washington for its help combating militants. The Pakistani government's own response has been criticized by many. The president, Asif Ali Zardari, visited Europe during the deadly floods. Writer Fatima Bhutto has criticized his actions, saying Pakistan can ill afford a president who prioritizes his personal political future over the lives of millions of its citizens and frames the event as Zardari's Katrina. A well-known Pakistani poet and writer, Fatima Bhutto is the granddaughter of former Prime Minister Zulfikar Ali Bhutto and the niece of former Prime Minister Benazir Bhutto. She has written a book about the experiences of victims of the 2005 Kashmir earthquake and her latest book, Songs of Blood and Sword, a Daughter's Memoir, is a biography of the Bhutto political family. She now joins me from London where she is on book tour. Welcome to Uprising. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. So first, let's talk about the floods themselves. I mentioned some staggering statistics. And here in the United States, our experiences with Katrina left uh, many Americans traumatized. But Pakistan is Katrina many times over right now. Yes, I mean, million times over. What we what we know also um, is that we have anywhere between three uh, to six million children who are at risk of uh, deadly waterborne uh, diseases such as cholera, uh, but also as uncomplicated as, as diarrhea. Um, we also know that with a, with a government um, that that has shown to prioritize its own uh, agenda, um, with Asif Zadari not just traveling to Europe um, at the start of the floods, but since then he has gone to Russia for a seminar. Um, with a government uh, that ill-engaged and, and it would seem ill-equipped uh, because of their great history of corruption, um, the issue is how will Pakistan rebuild? How will we come out of this incredible devastation two months from now? What about the flow of aid uh, from Countries like the United States, which has pledged $150 million, but uh, gives Pakistan a billion dollars a year, far more than $150 million, to uh, combat uh, insurgency. Uh, yes, I mean, we, what we've seen is that um, the way that the world responded to the other disasters you mentioned, such as the tsunami and the earthquake in Haiti, hasn't been replicated here. Uh, we know that the United Nations said that if you work out um, all the money um, the victims of the Haiti earthquake, if you work it out per person, it amounts to about $450 per 
per Haitian. But if you work out the amount of money pledged to Pakistan, it works out to about $3 per person. Um, there is a distinct lack of trust uh, when, when it comes to the government in Pakistan. Um, and, and certainly when one is giving billions of dollars, we have to also note that most of that money goes to the armed forces. Who are the people who are most affected in Pakistan today um, in terms of directly being made homeless? Is it essentially Pakistan's agricultural communities? Well, Pakistan's food belt has been devastated. So the Punjab and Sindh province have been the hardest hit. And reports now say that Sindh is the worst affected um, province with about 4 million people homeless just in the southern Sindh province. But what we know is that those who have been most devastated by these floods are the poorest Pakistan citizens um, and, and many of those who anyways um, were suffering from food and from the rising cost of food, um, had been affected by food inflation, uh, don't have access to medical facilities and don't have access to adequate shelter. Um, we know also that reports in the Pakistani media have said that uh, certain uh, government officials, uh, members of the ruling party, uh, broke bonds of the Indus River their own lands at the cost of neighboring lands. So those with any power seem to have been um, able to protect themselves and their communities, or at least been able to receive um, decent amounts of, of relief from the state, whereas the voiceless and the dispossessed um, have no one. They have no one to speak for them and, and no one to protect their communities. Now, in the 2005 earthquake that devastated uh, Pakistan uh, and Pakistan-controlled Kashmir, you've written a book about that. What were some of the lessons learned from the government's lack of response in that case? And were any of those lessons actually put into effect in this disaster or were the same mistakes repeated? Well, that's a wonderful question, and the answer is sadly that no, none of those lessons were learned and nothing was put in place. What we saw in 2005 was that there was absolutely no civil defense procedures put into place or, or even on the books. So um, a person that was resided on a fault line um, had no means of, of coping with the fallout of an earthquake. Um, and again, we've seen that Pakistan has monsoon season every year at approximately the same time. And every year, Pakistan faces some degree of flooding, electrocution, crop damage, because there is no uh, system, no infrastructure to cope with the rains or, or with, with um, uh, uh, flooding, um, whether it's, it's only in one province or, or across the country. Um, what we saw in 2005 was due to the government's um, inability uh, to provide even the most basic relief and rehabilitation services, um, that job fell to to other uh, agents and and groups. Uh, some of those groups were NGOs. Some came from foreign countries, such as Cuba or Turkey, that sent medical teams. But we also saw that a lot of informal groups, um, and and certainly many Islamist and and certainly some militant groups, uh, were to capitalize greatly on, on the devastation caused by the 2005 earthquake. They were very quick to come in with medical uh, units, mobile medical vans to set up tent villages and to provide speedy aid um, to people. And we see the same thing happening here. Uh, and, and this is, I think, the story of, of Pakistan in recent years. The government's corruption, the government's political incompetence creates a vacuum. And that vacuum has been filled um, by Islamist groups uh, in, in that adds not only to their popularity, but certainly to their credibility. Mm. 
Now, uh, while Pakistan is going through this incredible disaster, it is also the front, at least according to the United States and Pakistan's government, is a front in the war on terror, so-called. And the U.S., which has been dropping unmanned uh, drones, uh, have been dropping bombs in the border region between Pakistan and Afghanistan for years now, as I understand it, is still continuing to do that even as flooding has devastated the country. Is that true? That's absolutely right. We know of two um, unmanned predator drone attacks since the flooding began. Um, The first was about a week ago and and was um, um, alleged to have killed 12 people. Again, these are all uh, nameless, um, unindicted, unconvicted Pakistani civilians. Um, And we know that the second drone attack uh, came uh, yesterday and that killed about 20 people women and three children, as it killed um, a a civilian house next to uh, a target uh, that was the original intention of that bomb. Um, We also know that Islamabad, the government, has assured uh, Washington and its allies that Pakistan will not be redeploying its troops to aid with the relief efforts. They're keeping them to to continue aiding this this criminal and, and egregious war on terror effort at the cost of their own people. Now, uh, the uh, air base in Jacobabad that the United States uses in Pakistan, there's been some controversy around this air base. Uh, some have said that the Pakistani government saved this uh, air base for the United States at the cost of flooding Balochistan. Yes, reports said um, reports in the country um, revealed that uh, uh, f- uh, medical flights and, and aid flights were not able to pass through the Jacobad Air Base because it was a center for operations. I mean, we assume this is where these unmanned predator drones um, are coming to refuel or where they are taking off from. The, the U.S. Embassy was very quick to issue a denial um, in, in the Pakistani press and on their website, but it but it remains uh, it remains that that statement is is viewed with great suspicion in a country where America on one hand gives aid and and poultry aid at that, um, and on the other um, kills Pakistani civilians while we are facing the worst disaster of our 63-year-old history. I'm speaking with Fatima Bhutto, and her latest book is Songs of Blood and Sword, A Daughter's Memoir. And Fatima, on the cover of your book, I just want to read for our listeners the description so that they understand who you are. It says, Fatima Bhutto, granddaughter to Zulfikar Ali Bhutto, executed 1979, niece to Shahnawaz Bhutto, murdered 1985, daughter of Mir Murtaza Bhutto, assassinated 1996, and niece to Benazir Bhutto, assassinated 2007. Benazir Bhutto's uh, husband, Asif Ali Zardari, your uncle by marriage, is the current prime minister of Pakistan and you have been, uh, Pakistan's president rather, and you've been very critical of your uncle saying that what's happening right now is Zardari's Katrina. So let's talk a little bit about the relationship between Zardari's government and the United States after Benazir Bhutto was assassinated uh, and um, Parvez Musharraf's regime ended in Pakistan. Many thought that Pakistan would have a different turn of politics, a different kind of politics. But uh, in your opinion, has there been any change, positive or negative? Uh, well, there, there certainly has been change, uh, none of it positive. What we know is that um, it, it is under Asif Zardari's government um, that Pakistan has opened for the first time in its, in its young history. Uh, its skies uh, to to foreign planes to come in and, and 
and kill their citizens. Uh, Pakistan has never before allowed any foreign entity to come in and conduct raids on its own country. Uh, we also know that this is a government that remains in power due to the support of Barack Obama's White House, due to the support of David Cameron's uh, government in England. Um, but it is a government that is not only um, repressive in terms of, of censorship, it is a government that has uh, enacted great censorship over the last two years. Obama, the government allowed for 500 websites in Pakistan to be blocked um, and banned, including Google, uh, YouTube, Facebook, and mm. Yahoo. Um, but it is a government that has presided over um, the uh, this vacuum that we spoke of earlier. Before 2008, Pakistan didn't have an indigenous Taliban. Now we have the Tariqa Taliban Pakistan, uh, the, the Pakistani Taliban party. We also know that this is a government that waged a war against um, the Swat Valley last year, um, a war that was fought um, really against um, against its own people and a war that created three million internally displaced people, many of whom are still living in camps. So what we've seen is is a really a breakdown of, of the Pakistani state as, as it becomes highly centralized and highly funded and supported by foreign countries. Now, how have Pakistani civilians responded to not only this government at large, but in, in particular Zardari's uh, inaction over the flooding? Uh, well, there has been great outrage in Pakistan over, over the government's um, really criminal um, inaction over the floodings. We know that um, as he embarked on his uh, European-wide tour that took him to not only a, a private chateau his family owns in France, but across the United Kingdom, uh, Zardari was met with um, protesters. He was met with um, scenes of, of a very palpable outrage. Um, he even had uh, two shoes lobbed at him at a rally in Birmingham by a member of his own party. Um, and he's responded certainly by, by closing down uh, the Pakistani media's ability to report on a lot of those protests. Um, Geo, Pakistan's main television 24-hour news channel, um, was taken off the air for some hours. Um, Jang, Pakistan's largest Urdu newspaper, um, had its distributors threatened and uh, copies of its newspaper burned from public roads. Um, but the Pakistani people are not empowered um, within the country to make any real movement against uh, this government and, and this government's manner of dealing with um, this crisis. Finally, Fatima Bhutto, I want to ask you what you can recommend to our listeners who are very concerned about the humanitarian crisis in Pakistan and are not sure where to make donations to or what uh, nonprofits or non-governmental organizations they should trust to give their money to. What do you recommend? Um, well, absolutely. I think it's very important to make sure that your money goes to places where not only will it serve um, those desperately in need, but where it can be tracked. Um, money going into the government of Pakistan has no record, has no receipts. And we've seen that from previous crises, crises, notably the 2005 earthquake. Um, However, there are organizations that one can absolutely be assured um, uh, will be transparent and accountable. And one of those, um, my part, is is Merlin. um, And the website is is merlin-usa.org. And it's an organization that provides medical relief, um, has offices in the United Kingdom and in America, and they've been a presence in Pakistan since 2005 and did very commendable work after our earthquake. Um, uh, and with the um, uh, IDPs of last year's Swat War, um, Merlin UK is currently matching all donations to their Pakistan appeal. Um, but but I think 
they are uh, very able. They're also um, providing antenatal care. There's approximately half a million women, pregnant women, who are affected by these floods. Um, they provide vaccination um, and, and treatment against malaria and other waterborne diseases. So, so Merlin USA would be um, a very good place, I think, for those interested in donating some money. Well, we thank you for that recommendation, and we'll link to that from our website later today. Fatima Bhutto, where can listeners find out about your work as well? Do you have a website? Website, it's uh, fatimabuto.com.pk. That's fatimabuto.com.pk. I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Best of luck in your book tour. Thank you very much. Fatima Bhutto is the author of Songs of Blood and Sword, a daughter's memoir. She's a well-known Afghan-born Pakistani poet and writer. She now lives in Karachi. She's on book tour right now. She's also the granddaughter of former Pakistani Prime Minister Zulfikar Ali Bhutto, the niece of former Prime Minister Benazir Bhutto. This is Uprising, and the websites that, by the way, that Fatima recommended are merlin-usa.org, her own website, fatimabhutto.com.pk. If you can't remember those or don't have time to write them down, just visit uprisingradio.org after 10 a.m. this morning, and we'll link to them.